Hello, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. We are recording today from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent in Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America. We are so glad you could join us today for our subject on life. And we will start with a morning prayer. This morning I have excerpts from page 92 and 223 of Divinity Course and General Collectanus. All is mind, spirit, God, and this divine mind gives me life, for God is life. Life is action, and this action is harmonious. It is mental life. It is life in mind outside the body. Science and health is changing the belief that heart is matter and sustains life to the understanding that God is our life, that in him we live, move, and have our being. This change of heart would deliver man from heart disease and advance Christianity a hundredfold. No one can hurt me nor take from me anything that is good. I know no such thing as sin, suffering, want, or disease. For I am a reflection of life, truth, and love. I am never disappointed. The harmony of my being cannot be disturbed because I live in the infinite. May be It's beautiful. Thank you very much. All right, Karen. Watch number 421. Watch that you realize that the connection that exists between pleasure and pain can be said to exist between birth and death in the sense that one cannot entertain a belief in the former and be successful in overcoming the latter. Death is the logical sequence to the belief that one is born into matter. The answer to the question, O grave, where is thy victory? lies in the acceptance of the belief in birth. When one uses his knowledge of science to endeavor to perpetuate harmonious matter, how can he overcome the last enemy, since he is clinging to error rather than destroying it? He is like a man who repeats the scientific statement of being to get rid of discomfort from eating so that he can go back to the pleasure of eating. St. Paul took pleasure in infirmities because they called his attention to the true nature of the belief of life and reality in matter, which one does not recognize under human harmony. To work in science merely to eliminate imperfections in the body or matter exposes the fact that one values the unreal. Such an effort clings to pleasure and tries to fight pain, rejoices in birth, and seeks to destroy death. If ye live after the flesh, ye shall die, shows that the belief of life and matter leads to death, since birth asserts that man is separated from God, just as a belief in pleasure leads to pain. 
Okay. Comments. Well, I've been thinking a lot about St. Paul's pleasure and infirmities. And every time I seem to have a challenge, I, I just am more um, quickly to look at it as a <clears throat> as an opportunity to know that I don't live in matter, that there's no birth in matter, and that that's what this is all about. It's not about whatever it seems to be. It's going back to I never had a beginning in matter. Good, thank you. In, in the prayer, Florence gave Miss Day talks about not being disappointed and not being disappointed because she doesn't rely on on matter and what a good thing that is. And every time you do, you are disappointed. So it's a good thing to be yeah. <laughs> constantly reminded. Why did I do that? You know. Yes, thank you. Anybody else? Well, I think science and I mean Christian science is different, and this is why the this is the difference between what other Christians believe. This life we have to know it as Jesus knew it. It's above matter, and uh, it, it says uh, like what he said that if you believe in my word, you will never see death. So it's a, it's a spiritual life that goes on. When it says life is eternal, it's obviously it's not matter. Living in the matter, that goes away or that so-called pass on. But the life, which is God, goes on forever. So. Thank you. And what is your motive? Is it just so do you get a healing that you can go back to what you were? Or are you is your motive to advance and learn the the true Christian science, the truth. Thank you. Yes, very important. Herbert Herbert Ricky talks about this in his article, Immortality, doesn't he? And especially because we do talk about overcoming death, but the birth part we don't maybe talk about so much. And uh, he does. And uh, you know, he asked, don't you remember when you were here, there? Or, you know, don't you remember when you heard the Beatitudes? Or don't you remember... Um, it's challenging you to to emphasize that you you had no birth and there will be no death, and um, and that's why when I've said you know whatever human event is coming up, you must put your armor on, and that includes the birth of children or babies. You know everyone's always so happy and rejoicing, and a, and I am too, <laughs> but. Uh, You've got to remember that is a belief that they're born into matter and that they will die out of it. And you've got to make sure you are working on that from that point and know you be their fairy godmother as in Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> you're, you're annulling all these uh, beliefs about a child. Um, they're not born into matter. They've always existed and they always will exist as a child of God. And she says that they're spiritual representatives. Yes. I think a lot about that. Yes. Babies and kids. Yeah. Spiritual representatives of life, truth, and love. That's in the glossary. Who's trying to speak? No, I was saying, and also to think of it as born of God, 
born of spirit. That's a, a good thought for me. Yes, that's beautiful. Yeah. And this is, Eddie does address this in Science and Health, you know, and she says that they, there won't be this going on, this type of material birth. But um, it's all in the textbook, all of it. And I've always liked this. I've given it to many people and teaching and addresses by Kimball on page 130, the treatment for pain. When mesmerized by pain, turn and say, I know what you are. This is not pain or a belief of pain. It is a belief of mind in matter, a lie of belief without a believer, nothingness claiming to be something. I am not afraid. I am spiritual and so immune. So it's a belief of mind in matter, which is life in matter. Uh, and, and ultimately, when you have a pain, this is what you're believing. You know, you were born into matter and it's aching, right? <laughs> so you got to go back and remember who and what you are. And yes, no birth into it, no death out of it. Immortality. And shout it. The rooftops, if you need to, to get your thought to where it needs to get to. Or stamp your foot. Or stamp your feet, right. <laughs> I've done that. Right. Yeah. In, other, you know, in other words, resist the devil. Because, because it's a devil thought. That's, that's all it is. And it's very aggressive. And this is what makes Christian science so radical. Who else thinks this way? Nobody. I mean, and if you were to say it to people who know nothing of it they think you're crazy so it's radical and it's not just making human existence pleasant which is what most people think it's it is christian science truly i did i did you know you just try to make matter more pleasant <laughs> well, but it doesn't work and it's not the power of positive thinking no it's not it's not that it's the power. It, it's putting divine love into operation in your life. It's what it is. But I do think it's true that your your motive and your desires kind of match your understanding. So you know, when you first start, if you're desiring just a healing for healing's sake, that's just where you are at the moment. And Thank you. That's it'll, right. It'll continue on from there. You're not inherently bad for thinking that. <laughs> no, that's right. It's only when you continue and continue and don't really study the textbook and don't bother to get a deeper understanding of it. And this is why we do what we do, because it requires a deeper understanding to practice this. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to feel well. There's nothing wrong with wanting to have good health. It, it sort of depends on your motive, like Jeremy said. Sharon. If, it, it, yeah, Sharon. And mm -hmm. So if you want to feel well so that you can do what God wants, has for you to do here, so that you can bless others better, if that's your reason for wanting to feel well, you will be blessed by that motive. If you want to feel well so that you can go play tennis trends well that might not work out so well 
it also glorifies God, I feel, uh, to want to feel well, because that's what he has created. Wellness, health, not the other. That's right. And you, you are an example, and it's very important to be that example. So, And this all falls in line with our lesson on life, which is really a, a lesson on goodness with a capital G, and how that is God, and that is also life. And what does Mrs. Eddy say? Mortals try to live without goodness, and yet God is good. So it's impossible. Goodness is a quality of God that that needs to be expressed with a capital G, which means not the human do-goody stuff we talk about sometimes where you're trying to please others or look good for others and uh, pride is involved, but good only as God is good. And Jesus said, what about being good? No one call me good. It's only one good and that's God. That's right. That's it. And Mrs. Eddy said that, too. She didn't want anyone thinking of her as good. There's only one good, and that is God. And that keeps you humble, and it keeps you safe. And that's why she told her students, only follow me insofar as I follow the Christ. I just want to, talking about no no birth, um, I use Christmas morn, the hymn. Christmas morn uh, a lot about when thinking about no birth. I, I just, I think everything is in that hymn about the fact that it's not just about Jesus. It's about and his birth, but it's, it's about birth and, <laughs> and who we really are and, and dismissing no cradle song, no natal hour, mother's tear, you know, above all mortal strife. No cruel creed, or, or I just I love this hymn in regard to handling this belief of birth and matter. Yeah, thank you. And that is what Mrs. Eddy used, and it's in the healer, right? That when she was in the yeah. hospital to heal, yeah. and that's what she went through. Each each verse, I love that as well. I keep that in my science and health. Anyway, how she used each each verse. To handle those beliefs of, yes, you're born into matter, life and matter, because it always goes back to that. And you're not. You're the image and likeness of the Father. And and you've always existed and always will. And life is good with a capital G. (laughs) Not like that stupid saying. (laughs) Whatever. Go ahead. Someone want to speak? Okay, Jeremy, would you read the golden text? Proverbs. In the way of righteousness is life, and in the pathway thereof there is no death. Thank you. So here here it is um, again, to live in the way of righteousness, to live a good life, right? And if you're doing that, there is no death. And there were the two beautiful examples in the lesson of whom? Naomi and Ruth. Ruth and Naomi. Ruth and Dorcas. Dorcas and Ruth. Yes. Yeah. And here Ruth had had quite a lot of tragedy for her young life. And she, but she followed that path of goodness. And she loved Naomi. And she, even though she wasn't 
part of her people, right? Um, she was going to go with Naomi. And in doing so, she was so tremendously blessed. Yeah. And it was brought out that it, you know, it combined different, What in those days, they were so full of what race or whatever, who's who and what's what. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she, she <laughs> came together with Boaz and had Obed and eventually David and then eventually Jesus, which shows, again, breaking through those false barriers of who's who and what's what according to human opinion which hasn't which is valueless as mrs eddie says so it's such a beautiful story i think it's one of my favorite ones in the bible and it was her goodness and then dorcas too doing all these good deeds and um and it was that goodness that brought her back and she so she could continue to do those good deeds And really think about what evidenced her goodness. I mean, what was it that, that, uh, but what was the goodness in her? Well, she gave gave her Christliness. Yeah, I'm talking about Ruth. Yeah, I'm sorry. It was love. Well, and she, she recognized the highest concept of God that was in the world at the time, right? She said to to Naomi, and your God shall be my God. She recognized, I mean, and, you know, Naomi's God was the God, the Hebrew God that was the highest concept of God at the time. And she recognized it. She felt it in her heart. and and, And she wanted it above all else. She was kind of like the female Abraham, leaving her people, leaving her country. Yeah, she was willing to leave all behind to to do this. And that Mrs. Eddie's other hymn, It Matters Not, would be thy lot, so love doth guide. And that's always the question to ask you, ask yourself about making a move, about changing jobs, about anything that you do. Is it love that's guiding you? Love, again, this time with a capital L, love for God and man. In miscellany, it, Mrs. Eddy says, and we quote this a lot, but as an active portion of one stupendous whole, goodness identifies man with universal good. Thus, may each member of this church rise above the oft-repeated inquiry, what am I, to the scientific response I am able to impart truth, health, and happiness. And this is my rock of salvation and my reason for existing. So remember that every morning when you get up. That's why you're existing. (laughs) That's why you're here. Because you are able to impart truth, health, and happiness to others. It's a wonderful reason to exist. Okay, Shardell, tell me about your contribution. Oh, I did write much about it because it's all there. These songs are so beautiful. And I kept, I found myself reading it over and over again. All the words, you know, pick them out and, and take them. And even take the, uh, the fruit of his season, your, your, uh, your Well, just read, read it to us. Oh, read it to us? Mm-hmm. Oh, 
Okay. <laughs> uh, responsive reading. So, so, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad. And my glory rejoiceth, my flesh also shall rest in hope. Thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. It is beautiful. It is wonderful to read it and think about it and know that's the truth about you. All of those things and all of this. This is, you know, people are in the pursuit of happiness mm -hmm. but this is where it's, it is and in doing good and being good will make you happy and peaceful um prosperous everything and not withering you know not getting old um there was a article i've, I've mentioned this probably many times before I have it in my article on the website called Time is Not Toxic. And uh, it was in an article in an old copy of the Herald, New York Herald Tribune from the year 1948. And this was in the box of things that we received from the Herbert Eustis Foundation. A group of medical specialists and surgeons had been researching the process of aging they came to the conclusion that anyone experiencing a lack of vigor or any other disorder due to age was suffering from what they termed time neurosis. The report stated that every human tissue is endowed with potential immortality, and there was no good reason for anyone to get old and decrepit. Anyone who is experiencing such, such symptoms had submitted to the prevalent superstition that time in some way poises a system and causes one to grow old. And how about that? <laughs> so why isn't this shouted from the rooftops? It should be. It should be, but it's not because the drug companies don't want it shouted from the rooftops. They can't make money from it. No, no. And uh, it was in the it was a very small article, but my gosh, it blew me away when I read it. And I said, wow. And I know we have been also taught here that's medical that your cells, I mean, this is on a human level, but your cells renew themselves every seven years. I mean, God made all things beautiful in his time. We don't have to accept all these beliefs. Um and Mrs. Eddy says in, in Science and Health on 245, decrepitude is not according to law, nor is it a necessity of nature, but an illusion. 
How about that? <laughs> and that is why it's, it's been one of our watching points when it, um, Mrs. Eddy says, and I'm sure it's in Watches Persian Arguments or the Blue Book, but anytime you see a, a what a falling leaf mm-hmm. or anytime you see mm-hmm. any type of age, so-called age, what are you to do? You were to say there is no death, so there is no decay. Thank you. And I... <laughs> Thank you. That's why she knew the answer. <laughs> That's why you knew the answer, because you do it. There is no de- death and there is no decay. We are to be knowing this. If you've noticed any time in news articles, the first thing they say, so-and-so, and they give their age, right? Mm-hmm. So then you can place them. It's... <laughs> No, thank you. <laughs> we don't need to know anybody's age. We're ageless, diseaseless, and deathless because God made us so. That's something we are to declare daily, many times daily. You don't have to give into this. Life is everlasting. And I, I think it's so beautiful. I, I underlined in the lesson all the beautiful things, you know, Mrs. Eddy says, um, like shape our views of existence into loveliness, freshness, and continuity, the radiance of soul. Comeliness and grace are independent of matter. Beauty is a thing of life. And we reflect the charms of his goodness in expression, form, outline, and color. Each successive stage of experience unfolds new views of divine goodness and love. I think she says that twice. Yes, each succeeding year unfolds wisdom, beauty, and holiness. Is that what you're expecting? That's great. Every every succeeding year, each successive stage, and then that it vary, all the varied expressions of God reflect health, holiness, immortality, infinite life, truth, and love. And that love giveth to the least spiritual idea might, immortality, and goodness, which shine through all as the blossom shines through, through the bud. How beautiful. For people of newcomers, that was so helpful because when I first came or recently after, I thought, yeah, I must be the least in God's kingdom because <laughs> I didn't know much. But I said, even then I could have those qualities. Thank you. That's beautiful, Craig. That's so true. Yes, all, everybody, everywhere expresses this. And you can see that the shining faces, and Craig certainly has a shining face and always has. That's the Christ shining through him. And it could be shining through all of us. It's it's just beautiful to think on these. And I often give people those pages. They're pages 244 to 248 in Science and Health, which deal with age and beauty and beauty. Yes, I'm not um, submitting to these beliefs. And I love, you know, what Mrs. Eddy says about it. We have an article online called Age by Mrs. Eddy, and we have it on audio as well. I listen to it very often. It's good to be reminded and, you know, renew your, your faculties, your hearing, your sight, your everything. Fresh, young, beautiful. Why not? You have a choice. <laughs> Why not choose the, choose choose the on, good? Choose the good, yes. And so, um, Nancy, will you give us your definition of goodness that you sent? 
Uh, yes. Um, kindness, benevolence, acts of kindness, charity, humanity, exercise, and mercy. That's from Webster's. Thank you. 1828. Yes, 1828. Anything else you want to give us? Yeah, I just, uh, I loved in miscellaneous writings, uh, Mrs. Betty said, if you seek the Anglo-Saxon term for God, you find it to be good. And uh, since God is good and the quality of God, I just, it just think it's so clear that the more that I express these qualities in in how I live and think and treat others and am toward others, I am taking, I'm departing from what is materiality and I'm walking closer with God into spirit and infinite life. I was really grateful for this lesson. I loved it very much. Oh, thank you. Yes. And that was your, your quote from Science and Health. Every step yes. toward goodness is a departure from materiality and is a tendency towards God good, spirit. Now, and we can all be these things, these expressions of goodness. We can be kind. We can be benevolent. We can do acts of kindness, have charity, humanity, exercise, mercy. Is there anyone preventing you from doing that? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. And those that do are happy as well. Um, in an article that Carrie sent, Origin of Happiness from an 1887 journal, uh, it's by an A. Lang. He writes, or she writes, there is no true happiness which is not the outgrowth of righteousness. Whoever performs a kind act not only contributes to his own real possessions, but he will have a present consciousness of right doing and receive the reward thereof. The more we do for others, the greater will be our reward, which is real joy, the offspring of righteousness. Therefore, only the righteous are truly happy. And we certainly see that, don't we? So it's not dependent on how much you own or materially things. Not at all. It's it's how much you give out and love. Now, another article that I really love that she sent me which was from, from our exchanges, a 1910 issue. And by the way, today is Mrs. Eddy's birthday, July oh. 16th. <laughs> so anyway, this is on the word meditate. In his law, doth he meditate day and night? Okay. Democracy and the modern church require that all men shall be great. The modern social, industrial, economic problem requires thinking masses as well as leaders. Here is our danger. There is only one remedy. That is to get back to great thoughts and great books and great sermons and great interests again. The ancient poet was right when he said, I will meditate in thy precepts. It made him great. Meditation on great truths makes corresponding minds and hearts. The Bible is full of this. The great man is he who, whose delight is in not newspapers and cheap magazines and sporting news, but in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. My meditation of him shall be sweet. 
Now the men who move across the pages of the Bible are great and commanding figures. These old sentences are the secret of their greatness. They realized they were children of the eternal father, co-partners with the great God in building the new world. So they thought his thoughts, sought his company, found their chief interest in hearing his word, and their great enthusiasm and delight was in doing his will. I think that is so beautiful. And I know in reading biographies about our founding fathers, the people who really made a difference in the world, um, many, if not all, were very well versed in the Bible. There was a, a book, I think I've told you about it, it was called The President and the Free Freedom Fighter. And it was about Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass, who were kind of peers. And what united them, it was so interesting in this biography, was that they both were scholars of the Bible. I mean, they knew it. They knew the Bible. And then there was also a book out at that time. I was selling Florence about this. I think it was called the Columbia Oratory. And most people had it. And in that book were all of these great speeches from great people. And both Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass knew this book, memorized it, memorized the, memorized the Bible. And that's what made them so great. <laughs> and that's what this article is about. They communed with the greats. They, that's how they spent their time. That's how they shaped their lives. And that's why it's so important for our, our young people to read good literature that will shape their lives in the right direction. Not all this trite stuff. Commune with the saints. Spend time with them. Tremendous. Meditate on his law day and night. And then I would like to share with you Jacobson a few things. Um, and, and it goes along with this. Um, Jacob is from Holland. I had contact with a few persons who prefer Eckhart Tolle above Mary Baker Eddy. The world seems to admire the drivel this guy named Eckhart Tolle produces <laughs> because it is just the human mind talking. And I think he must have learned a few things from Mrs. Eddy and other spiritual teachers that have existed throughout the ages and continents. But is one of them a healer as Mrs. Eddy was? No. Is one of them divinely authorized? No. Do they project this oneness with divine truth and love with Jesus even? Same this Joel Goldsmith, who wrote a few copycat books on Christian science. The human mind loves all this because it does not have to be destroyed and cast out. That's very perceptive. <laughs> In these books, you don't have to cast out the human mind. You'd kind of coexist with them, right? Uh, I, anyway. Yeah, Carpenter said that if Mrs. Eddy hadn't said that science and health was revealed truth, mortal mind would have been powerful. Thank you for that quote. Yes. Goldsmith ha has a biography, an autobiography, where he speaks to uh, learning about the Buddhists and that type of thought. So his, it's not, it's 
it's a, not a good thing to be drifting into. Thank you. Yes. And Mrs. Eddy has said that these these truths have existed all for all time, everywhere, and in many other religions. But she says they're fragmentary. They're fragments of that truth. And she said you will cut yourself on them. Yep. But the but science and health are key to the scriptures. Christian science is the revelation from God, and it is the one and total truth. Now, as an independent church, I will preface, or not preface, but add that, you know, we don't tell people what to read. And I have, at times, years ago, read various books, New Age books and things like that. And if, you know, you get want to be interested or find things out, you do whatever God directs you to do. But I am saying, ultimately, Mrs. Eddy has this truth, and it is the truth. And these other ones, Jacob says it very well. They're, they're drivel. <laughs> they're copycats. You will get to a point when you really know your science. When you read these other books, they will repel you. That's why you've got to know the science, though. Because if you don't know the science, you can get confused or taken off by it in the highways and byways of mortal mind. thought against Mrs. Eddy and, and almost say that, well, she didn't have the full right way, but this is the way. That's, yes. That's not a good. And that leads to confusion and yeah. mix up. And um, while you should be spending your time on the truth, companioning with, with the real ones who know who knew this truth. And there are many, you know, as was mentioned, outside of science, who know the truth, live the truth. Um, but it is Christian science that you want to spend most of your time with, and the Bible, and yes. And Mrs. Eddy's life. And Mrs. Eddy's life. And I'm so glad now some of you are beginning to read her biography. Some of you never have or did years ago or just read the Peel books. And thank God. You have to know what she went through, what she dealt with. You have to appreciate her life, who she really was. When you know the, the facts, you cannot be tricked by the counterfeit. I'd read that only years ago, probably about five or six years before coming here. And, you know, the, the assumption is if, you, if you're reading that kind of book, you want some sort of practical roadmap on how to move forward. And he provides none of that. And I was just, I, I almost never did this before, but when I was like almost done, I just realized it was garbage and I threw it away. I'm, <laughs> me throwing away a book is like the worst thing for you. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. <laughs> so you know, and they, and they also say that you're, you're like the sum of the five people you hang out with. And, you know, if you hang out with losers, that means you're a loser. And if you're if who you read and all this trash. It, it, then... You're hanging out with people you should not be hanging out with. Mm -hmm. And and Zari told us a while ago she knew that this guy, Eckhart, went to the Hamburg church in Germany. So he, he did know this science and he took he took it. It was plagiarism to me. And once probably took the palatable parts and, out and made it. And, and he's made, I know he's made what millions and millions. Yeah. Oprah made him very successful. And I took a peek at his book once because Oprah meant, you know, said how wonderful it was. And I said, my gosh, he's talking about mortal mind. He says, it sounds like, like me. And I threw it out too. I ripped it up and I threw it out. 
I'm going to give no credit to Mrs. Eddy anywhere no or credit. mention of her or anything. Right. One beautiful thing you told us to read more Maris Eddy, the power book I started again, and even in the, far into it, but the uh, as he was, uh, he appreciated it. He was a reverend of sorts, uh, I guess, but he appreciated the life that she lived. And he, the person who wrote the prologue, and that life, he was willing to stand up as a rest regular Christian to all the insults that were being thrown at her during court filings because her life was so good as just a regular Christian. And she said, late, all of you, just look at it for what it is. And it is what you've been claiming to want to live. And and it's it's so beautiful. It's so kind. It's so healing. Nothing else has been like it. So people outside of Christian science at the, her time, because her life was so right, could see it. And it did great things. Thank you very much. Thank you. Mm. And in a way, this goes along. You know, last week it was talking about the, the engrafted word, you know, getting that word in you and grafting it within you. And um, to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. So now we have, well, how you do it and all this goodness. And um, Jacob wrote something else that was very interesting. He um, he said, and he saw this on, on television, uh, it's a grafting of the tiny new wine plants on the old stumps in a vineyard. It was in Sardinia. And the young plants would die because of the drought and the heat. But since they are on the stumps of the old vines, they have the benefit of the deep roots of the old vines that have stood there for ages and reached the water deep in the ground. So think about it. Stand on the shoulders of giants. <laughs> and then did you write that? Was that in? Yeah, that was, we saw that that show hidden Saudi Arabia and they had this oasis that have a whole bunch of um, orange trees there. And they said that the oranges won't grow there on their own, but they have to graft them all onto plants that will grow. And, but they had this huge tract of oranges. So it works. <laughs> it works. Yeah, I think it's a practice in many countries really. I've seen it for and grafting. Isn't that wonderful? Um yeah. So it's a it's a good concept. And Jesus used that concept to illustrate his relationship with his disciples and his relationship with God, didn't he? Yeah. I am the vine. My father is the husbandman, and you are the branches. Yeah, I love that in John. I mean it's a you know, it's it it is a totally practical analogy that if we engraft our minds onto, onto the truth as it has been revealed to us through people, giants like Jesus, like Mrs. Eddy, then the the roots are so deep, you know, we we will survive anything and flourish and produce fruit. It's beautiful. 
it also illustrates our unity, this oneness that uh, we read about. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, that's one thing I'm practicing more and more, this idea of just acknowledging my oneness throughout the day. You're one with God. Everything about you is one with God. What decisions you make, your health, how you're feeling, what you do when you do it. Uh, it's your oneness. Just be thinking on it all day. I and my Father are one. The Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. And the Father hath not left me alone. This, this week's lesson also says about how good deeds are immortal, bringing joy instead of grief, pleasure instead of pain, and life instead of death. And that's why, you know, Mrs. Eddie has several pages on this in Science and Health. When you help others, that can only bless you and make you stronger because mortal mind will say, you know, you're going to get sick and die or something or get tired or whatever. That's why she has a story of the trial in there. But no, it gets it makes you stronger. But you need to know it and declare this is a, a law of God, a principle of God. It can only bless you. Now, again, I'm talking about divine goodness, not do goody. Um, and we give of our of our light, but not of our oil. You don't get dragged down in the muck of mortal mind because people are just asking you to do things left, right, and sideways. It has to be God-directed. And you yourself have to be right before you can help others. There's a beautiful poem I meant to bring today, too. I'm, I'm sure Linda or someone can find it. I think it was called Pass It On. If you've had a deed done to you, um, you know, you pass it on. And, and it lives through time. That's what this is saying. It'll be passed on and on and on. All the good that we've been given, uh, all the good of these of Mrs. Eddie, Christ Jesus, it's going on and on and on, isn't it? Blessing future generations. There was also, I thought this was a sort of a good example. Um, it was in a, a newspaper article I read. They ask you for um, recipes from, you know, your family members. And this woman spoke about her Aunt Mary Jane. And she said that uh, Aunt Mary Jane was very poor. She lived in a very little plain, small house in Pennsylvania. And um, but if you went into that house, it was as neat as a pin. And in the living room, in the little tiny living room on a little tiny table, had a little lace tablecloth where these plates of of cookies and things. And and she said it would rival the finest hotel anywhere. Those cookies were so delicious. And Aunt Mary Jane never said a mean word about anybody. She was very soft spoken, but just a very her goodness shined through her. And later, um, when Mary Jane passed on and this woman said she didn't know how, she didn't know what happened. And but that every every birthday, Mary Jane would send her a birthday card until she passed on and a little gift. And she saved all those birthday cards and the little gifts. And she just loved her Aunt Mary Jane. And she said then years later, when she was looking through her mother's cookbook, she found a recipe of Aunt Mary Jane. And that was what was in the article. But I, when I was reading the articles, I mean, tears were streaming down my face because it touched me so. Uh, what little things you can do for others that are immortal. They, they are. It doesn't take a lot to do what Aunt Mary Jane did. But it was remembered. 
And now her recipes gone around the world in this newspaper article. Anyway, Gary said, well, Mary, that's not a sad story. That's a happy story. <laughs> so I'm sure it is a happy story, but it just goes to good deeds or immortal. Pardon me? Happy tears. Happy tears, yes. So remember that. And remember the kindness the kindnesses that have been expressed to you that you remember to this day. Mrs. Evans would always talk about um, after church when she was a little girl in Sunday school, there was a one of the senior members of the church always took her for a little walk and would give her a piece of chewing gum. <laughs> and she said she just loved that lady and she loved walking around and talking with her and chewing gum. <laughs> and she remembered it all those years. So it doesn't take a lot. It just takes kindness, thoughtfulness, what Nancy read us, the definition of goodness, and to live that life of goodness. There's so much other rude and unkind stuff going that goes on. So let's express the kindness when we can. So anyone want to say anything? All right, well, just remember... Um, the ending, too, which I give to a lot of people, and it was a prayer we were to give our children on page 248 of Science and Health. And this is this is part of your healing. You know, goodness makes you beautiful, and goodness will make you healthy because it's of God. Let unselfishness, goodness, mercy, justice, health, holiness, love, the kingdom of heaven reign within us. And sin, disease, and death will diminish until they finally disappear. So whatever your problem is, think of these things. Are you expressing unselfishness, goodness, mercy, justice, health, holiness, love? Are you expressing those things? And if you are, sin, disease, and death, whatever's ailing you, will diminish until it finally disappears because you will be replacing that false sense of life with the true sense, life with a capital L. And life in God is wonderful and worth living. That's why we have a CD with that title on it. Life in God. Life in God. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's right. <laughs> Peter and Faith's second CD. <laughs> yes. So we're going to end today from miscellany uh, passages that I love. And, um, Part of it was read on, Amanda read it Wednesday night. It's so beautiful what Mrs. Eddy says. It's her, her address to the Concord Church, February 1899. Clouds, parsimonious of rain, that swing in the sky with dumb thunderbolts, are seen and forgotten in the same hour while those with a mighty rush which waken the stagnant waters and solicit every root and every leaf with the treasures of rain ask no praising. Remember, thou canst be brought into no condition, be it ever so severe, where love has not been before thee and where its tender lesson is not awaiting thee. Therefore, despair not, nor murmur, for that which seeketh to save to heal and to deliver will guide thee.
if thou seekest this guidance. Pliny gives the following description of the character of true greatness. Quote, Doing what deserves to be written, and writing what deserves to be read, and rendering the world happier and better for having lived in it. End quote. Strive thou for the joy and crown of such a pilgrimage, the service of such a mission. A heart touched and hallowed by one chord of Christian science can accomplish the full scale. But this heart must be honest and in earnest and never weary of struggling to be perfect, to reflect the divine life, truth, and love. Stand by the limpid lake, sleeping amid willowy banks dyed with emerald. See therein the mirrored sky and the moon ablaze with her mild glory. This will stir your heart. Then, in speechless prayer, ask God to enable you to reflect God, to become his own image and likeness. Even the calm, clear, radiant reflection of Christ's glory, healing the sick, bringing the sinner to repentance, and raising the spiritually dead in trespass and sins to life in God. Jesus said, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Mary Baker Eddy. Thank you all so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you all. Thank you.